The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Dave-O. The record was 58 wins, 104 losses. Only around 15 wins off of what we expected right here. It's Dave-O, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. It's the season wrap-up with Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz joining me on this early October evening. Jake, we got the Cubs and Rockies as we speak just getting started. Wild card action. How's everything going with you? It's going good, Deva. You know, I'm sad the season's over because our, our boys are playing some good ball in August and September. It was good to see the young guys playing well. But, um, you know, excited for some time off as well and, uh, you know, kind of look forward to the future now. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Earlier today, I looked at the Freeland versus Leicester pitching matchup, and then I did double-take. I'm like, wow, four years ago tonight, Leicester started our wild card game, Jake. Did you even think about yep. that? I kind of forgot about that till about halfway through the day. Yeah, it's crazy. No, I was thinking about that, too, and just when he took the mound to start this game. It's, uh, it's crazy that was already four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. The time flies. Um, okay, so 58 and 104. So here's the deal, by the way. Um, we're going to be going all over the place on this dish. We're going to start off with what I think are the five really positive takeaways from the season. We're going to talk about those. Um, we're going to talk about a number of the issues. We're going to get to some questions that we were asked on Twitter and, uh, and Facebook. And uh, probably about 30 different things will be covered. Basically, just about anybody who's currently on the roster will probably be talked about. And we're kind of going to just randomly go through this here. So hopefully you'll hang around with us for the next 30, 45, 50 minutes, however long this may take, Jake. Take Jake. Are you ready to talk some Royals baseball? Yep, let's do it. Okay, so let's start off then, I guess. I've kind of organized this, like I said, in different groups. Let's start off with the five main highlights slash positive things from the 2018 season. Not necessarily in the correct order, but just things as I saw them. Number one, Jake, we got to give a big tip of the cap to a guy that we interviewed right here on Clubhouse Conversation back in 2014, a guy that I clamored for to come up to the big leagues for about two years before it happened. He finally did, talking about Whit Merrifield. Um, who became the third player since 1945 to lead the major leagues in both hits and stolen bases. Hard to believe that. Only three times since 1945 as a player led MLB in hits and stolen bases. Witt did it first time in Royals history, obviously. He was able to, with that last hit, Jake, the single and the stolen base. You know, he overtook Freddie Freeman the last game of the season on Sunday. So for the season, 192 hits from Merrifield, 45 stolen bases, 367, 438, 806, your OPS for Whit Merrifield. Jake, let's talk about Whit. So he's going to be 30 years old next season. Um, Casey does have him, for those who wonder, the next four years. You know, the next one more year, basically, where he's free, and then three years of arbitration. So through 2022, the Royals do have him. So I got to know because, you know, about to turn 30, coming off of this year, he's never going to lead the league in hits and stolen bases again. This, this is his peak year, probably the best year of the major leagues, most likely for him happen this year. So Jake, I ask you, and you know, knowing that he makes quite up the middle tandem with and, and quite the one two tandem with Mondesi with the stolen base and defense and and all that, I gotta ask you, do the Royals stick with him and Mondesi in the one two and, and ride out Merrifield knowing that he'll be, you know, what, thirty four years old when he becomes a free agent and, and probably thirty three when all of the core quote unquote is up here. Do you ride it out with him and, and see what you can do the next couple of years, you know, battling five hundred and establish a winning culture here in Kansas City and give the fans another player to latch on to? Or 
do you look to move him for probably two top 100 type prospects because he's got enormous value this winter jake what are your thoughts yeah it's, it's going to be a tough decision and i think you know they're definitely going to listen to offers this offseason and i think I think Dayton Moore is going to have to be blown away, honestly, by something. It's going to have to be an offer, you know, that he can't resist because Merrifield was incredible this year. And I think the fact that he didn't trade him at the deadline also says, you know, he, he basically made the statements that he wanted him here right now. I don't know if that means just for the remainder of the year to see if he could get a better offer this offseason or not. But regardless, I, I think I'm right now leaning towards the, the idea that they're going to stick with him. Um, but, again, I think that could very well change very quickly if someone just blows them away with an offer this offseason and it may not be a bad idea because let's be honest we both know this team is still a couple years away from even you know considering being able to compete so um i think it's going to be just interesting to see what happens honestly yeah i mean there's so many different ways to look at this like you just said you know most likely two years away from you know having a club that could compete for a division two to three years that may be even looking at it optimistically, although the division's pretty down in the future. I mean, the Royals are in the right division to turn things around quickly. I mean, the Twins just fired their manager today, who somehow was manager of the year a year ago and got fired. They were disappointing this year. Detroit, you know, is an old team, not a lot to write home on there. And the White Sox could be good. I thought they were disappointing and looked very, very throughout the year. I was very um, not impressed with the way they played the game and their focus. And you go through the division, I mean – the division is right there in, in two or three more years. I mean, I guess you could even, you know, 5% chance next year if all these things keep going with your Keller and O'Hearn and Mondesi and, and Witt and you somehow show up the bullpen. I mean, I guess you could even make an argument the Royals could somehow compete next year. I don't see that happening, but I'm just saying, you know, it's not completely out of the realm if they would get the bullpen shored up and things are, are real as they are now. But, you know, so you, you got that end of it, Jake, and you want to establish a winning culture and you want the fans to have somebody to – latch on to and I don't know but you, you just you've even got a guy like Nicky Lopez who is looking for a spot too to come up here that's just about ready to come up next year so you know with Mondesi and Merrifield there where do you put Lopez you know is he a trade trip is Merrifield a trade chip are they just gonna you know try to make Lopez an outfielder put him at third I mean there's so many different things to think about with all of that so I, I tend to agree with you I, I feel like Dayton's probably gonna just hold on to it will that be a mistake Jake in retrospect uh, very well, it could be. He is turning 30. You don't know if you're going to ever, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see a season like this again. I think you could see consistent seasons from him for the next two to three years. But, again, by the time that this team is ready to compete, who knows what you're going to be getting out of him in three years or so. He may be back to just, you know, some type of utility player by then. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely could be a mistake. I think if you're going to move him, it's got to be this off season Because if you don't move him this off season, you're this is the most value you're ever going to get for him. Right. I mean, so any team that trades for him is getting four years and one of those years pre-arbitration. So I suppose the other option is the Royals just latch him on to a, maybe a five-year deal or a four-year deal with an option year where they buy out that first year of free agency, although I don't know that Witt wants to do that because Witt's only going to get one contract. Um, you know, if he's 34 when this deal ends, he's only going to get one deal at that point of, of a multi-year contract. So I don't know how interested he is in buying out a year. If, you know, if it would make sense to try to get him cost control like they did with Salvi and and uh, Ventura and some of these other guys they've done that with in the past, Duffy, on and on. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think we both agree he'll probably be here next opening day. I'm kind of like win-win on this. If they keep him, I'm happy because that'll be quite the one-two at the top of the order. If they trade him for more stud prospects, I'm happy. I mean, if you can go out there and get a stud starting pitching prospect and you know, some sort of corner bat, you know, maybe an outfielder with a corner bat, that could be attractive as well. Second thing, Raul, a.k.a. Alberto, I suppose I should say, Mondesi, 
without a doubt, just maybe the best story of the year. I mean, I think Mondesi, uh, spoiler alert, O'Hearn and, and, and Witt are kind of the top three. But, um, you know, best young Royal Jake, I, I think we can both agree since Carlos Beltran. I mean, the guy is dynamic. Um, we saw 14 home runs in just 75 games. Remember, people, he's only 22. I mean, they brought him up when he was so young. He was, what, 19 when he debuted in the World Series. People, like, you know, he's been around for a few years and, and been banged up and not produced at the Major League level and been hurt a lot. So a lot of Royals fans just don't realize how young he is. I mean, imagine if he – imagine, Jake, if this had been his first year in the Major Leagues at 22 years old when he put up these numbers. I mean, it was arguably one of the best second halves in recent Major League history. I mean, like – 14 home runs in 75 games, 32 stolen bases. I mean, let's take that times two just to be old school. Let's assume he doesn't get better, which he's going to. Let's just assume he never gets better. 150 games, that's 28 home runs. That's 64 stolen bases. He had an 804 OPS. He, you know, defensively looks very smooth out there. I think he needs to learn maybe the speed of some of the runners. It appeared some of the time he was surprised by some of the runners um, you know, running down the first base line. That's a small thing. But just 22 years old, Jake, the Royals have him for five more seasons, two more years of pre-arbitration. How good can this kid be? Can he be Francisco Lindor, or is that maybe asking a hair too much? No, I think he definitely can. I think the sky's the limit for him. I mean, this is what we've been here. We heard that this kind of potential this year, you know, we've seen flashes of it. If you've watched him in the minors, you've seen him in spring training, you know that he knew that he had some pop, and he finally showed it off in, from both sides of the plate this year. I mean, it was it was impressive, too, because the home runs he was hitting, David, they were not just barely clear in the fence. Right. He was hitting bombs this year. I mean, just dropping the ball from both sides of the plate. And his speed is incredible. I think he's only going to get better defensively. Again, like you mentioned, I think he's going to learn more of the league and get smarter, and that's only going to help him get even better defensively. Um, it, it's it's going to be exciting to see him in a full season next year. I mean, I, I can't wait to see him actually – you know, on the opening day roster and playing every single day. The only concern I have with him is the same one that Dayton's mentioned multiple times is can he actually play a full season without getting injured because right. he's had those issues the last couple of years. Right. So I think that's really the thing that can slow him down, but I think the potential is, you know, it, it, it's crazy. I, I think he's gonna, he can be an absolute star in this league. I think we both agree, unless Witt's traded, that Nicky Lopez will be the AAA opening day. I mean, the Royals aren't going to bring him up as a utility guy. I actually had a tweet about that asking. No. There's no chance he's going to be a utility guy in the major leagues, at least not at this point. Um, you know, Ramon Torres, can he play short? Maybe not. Is, does this mean Escobar comes back as your backup shortstop and utility guy? Would not shock me. Everyone keeps thinking no. he's gone, but I don't know about that. A couple other things about um, Mondesi, Jake. Um First of all, the fact that he's really getting into videos this year. I mean, he's really doing the research now the last three months or so. He's really bought into, you know, because he's got this God-given talent, but now he's really starting to apply himself as well. That's great to see, some maturity there at the age of 22. Number two, I don't know the stats on this, but I'm willing to bet if you look at the top 20 exit velocities this year, he had at least 10 of them for the Royals. I'm saying Royals only. If you look at their top 20 hardest hit balls, I'm willing to bet he had at least 10 of them. He hits rockets off the bat. And the the third thing is, Jake, we're starting to see the power come from the right side where before it was more from the left side. And and that's going to be big for him as he goes forward switch hitting if he can hit, you know, home runs and and power from the right side, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think really the the first flash from him this year is when he hit that home run against the Cubs, I believe. Was it off Quintana? I think it was from the right side where he hit that bomb into the fountains. And then that was the, like the first flash I think we saw from him this year, and then he just was on fire all the way through the end of the season. And to see that power from the right side and from both sides of the plate, it's, 
it's really impressive, and it's something that's extremely rare to see, even in, at the highest level in baseball. Yeah, another thing, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing both Merrifield and Mondesi locked up to, let's say, they sign Wit to, you know, a, a four-year deal with a with a club option, you know, to get, to buy to give to, to give Wit a payday and to give him maybe a little bit more money than he'd make, obviously a lot more money next year, and then maybe you know maybe you pay him fair value his arbitration years, and then you know maybe you somehow do that with Wit, and then I'd love to see Mondesi as well. I don't know that I, I don't think he's going to want to buy out a year. But, you know, it's at least worth looking when you've got a guy five more years, you know, give him a couple years of big money the next couple of years he wouldn't have see if you can get some cost control in those four through six years, maybe try to buy out one of the years of free agency. That would be big on both of those two. It'd be pretty cool if they signed them both long-term for, let's say, five years, wouldn't it, six years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to have those two guys with the way they can just take over the base pass at the top of the lineup, I mean, it it was so fun to watch this last Last two months. It will be interesting to see what does happen with Nicky Lopez. That'll be a fun story. It's, it's, it's a good problem to have, you know, up the middle. And when you look at it, Jake, the Royals really are pretty strong up the middle. That's why I say some of me thinks they aren't as far as we thought they were. I mean, you and I both thought even as recently as two months ago that 2021 was a year where we start thinking about them competing. 2020 could, you know, be a year where they could compete. And I'm not saying for a World Series. I'm just saying like in the division. But, you know, when you've got – they're so strong up the middle. If Salvi stays healthy, you've got Salvi behind the plate – you got Witt and and Mondesi up the middle, or Lopez, and you look at some of the guys like Brett Phillips if he can ever learn to hit or Goodwin, and and you got Khalil Lee could be in center field here in a year or two, um, Blake Perkins down there. So it's exciting to see and think about the Royals up the middle because what made them so great, you know, it was it was the bullpen, the HDH, the last time, and but it wasn't the starting pitching, and you know it, it wasn't hitting home runs. It was the fact that the Royals played such great defense, had athleticism, and, and were such solid up the middle, and that's what they are again heading, which is exciting. Now, the third biggest story of the year after August 1st, Jake, Ryan O'Hearn. What the hell happened with him? 25 years old. He doesn't turn 26 until next July. Let's talk about this, Jake. 149 ABs, 12 home runs. Insane. I I believe he had 12 this year in Omaha. So 12 home runs and 149 at-bats at the major league level. More impressive than that was the Torrid 950 OPS 597 slugging, 353 on base compared to a 262 batting average. So he walks a boatload. How legit is this kid, Jake? I mean, you know, it's kind of we haven't really seen this happen to the Royals before with both. Like, I mean, not only did Mondesi do it, but O'Hearn did it. And with O'Hearn, I mean, is is this legit? I mean, is is this like you know? Remember when Paulo Orlando first came up? He was never anything like that, but he hit all those triples and looked like he was going to be the stud. Is this like one of those stories that's going to kind of fade away and he'll be a nice player for three or four years and then he'll kind of just fade away, you know, as the next wave gets here? Or is this kid legit and possibly part of the nucleus? I mean, it, it's going to you know, it's a small sample size right now. I don't think the power is going to stay the way it was this year. It was unbelievable what he was doing at the plate, but. As far as his approach at the plate, he looks like a guy who's been playing in the major leagues for years. I mean, you mentioned the walks and just the discipline at the plate. I mean, he was just kept getting himself in favorable accounts and getting pitches to hit and was not missing them. And the, the power to, you know, center and left center field kind of reminds you of the way Eric Osborne hit the ball with power. It was just – his swing is beautiful. He's got a great approach at the plate. And, um, again, it's going to be another – it's going to be fun next year to see what he does in the season to see if that power is actually legit or if he's more guy uh you know he's gonna regress a little bit 
See, I think you know what's so exciting about this is you and I and everybody else thought that we wouldn't start getting excited about these kind of players till 2020 when your Lees get up here, maybe Matias, maybe Melendez, those kind of guys. That's probably a year early. Melendez and Matias are probably more 2021. But your Lees come up in 2020, your Love Ladies, your Lopez's, all these guys. But it's exciting that we already have a number of these guys, a handful of them now. Another guy that's a part of that that I'm very excited about is Brad Keller the fourth biggest story of this year. One of the top three rookie pitching performances out of an AL starter in the last decade. The stats prove that, too. 140 innings, Jake, plus an out. Uh, 3.08 was his ERA. The FIP was still pretty good, too, at 3.55. So a little lucky. The strikeouts haven't been there. Only 96 and 140 innings, although it did get better a bit um, as the years you know went on. He's another kid, just 22 years old. Is Brad Keller. In fact, I think him and Monty have the same birthday. I might be wrong about that, but I think they have the same birthday. Um, so Brad Keller, Jake, we saw all year, you know, the slider was kind of iffy, and then all of a sudden the slider kind of came on the last two months and, and improved. So what's his future? You still hear some people say, well, he could be a reliever again. Well, I sure as hell hope not. That would be a, a giant disappointment at this point. Where, is Brad Keller, I don't I think we both agree he's probably not a number one, probably not a number two, but could he be a four to eight year number three type MLB starter? Absolutely. I think so. Cause we saw basically almost a full year of him starting this year. And he was, you know, the way that he attacked the zone. Um, and I think it was impressive. And I think only um, his off speed stuff is only going to get better. Like you mentioned, developing that slider, it was getting better and better as the year went on. And I think this off season, I'm sure his focus will be on developing those off speed pitches, try to get more swings and misses and add to his game. Because, He's already got, you know, such good movement on that fastball and just pounds the strike zone. And, um, you know, he's a guy, I think, too, he looks, he held up just fine all year long. And that uh, seems like a guy who can throw, you know, he's going to throw you six-plus innings every single night. So it was really impressive to see. I think he's definitely the type of guy you'd like to lock in your rotation. He can be, you know, that's like three, not one or two, but probably a three-starter for years and years to come. Gosh, imagine if you have him in the number three and say Junis. And then number four, and let's just say Lopez or Phil Meyer or Skoglin, any of these guys, take your pick, become the number five. Imagine if you get, you know, just hit on a couple of these, Daniel Lynch's, Jackson Coars, Brady Singers, Jonathan Boland, some of these guys, Chris Bubik. Imagine if just two of those guys become ones or twos. And, Jake, you can always, you know, go out and sign one starting pitcher if you have to, if you're missing one starting yep. pitcher, or make a trade for a, a trade in Merrifield for a stud starter. I mean, they aren't that far off from not only having up the middle solidified, which is pretty damn exciting. Even if you move a Merrifield, you still have Mondesi and maybe a Lopez or whoever up the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, um, you know, and MJ Melendez is your next stud catcher in a few years. I mean, with these pitching prospects coming up and the, and the possibility of getting more, I mean, up the middle and Khalil Lee, that's that's one thing I don't think Royals fans realize or talk enough about is maybe they aren't as far away as we think they are or thought they were if you really stop and think about it. Before I get to our fifth story, by the way, real quick, what are your thoughts on Phil Meyer and, and Lopez? Lopez, of course, I'll give you credit. I was in Las Vegas betting on sports, and you texted me in the eighth inning and let me know about the, the perfect game. I was in the sports book watching football, so I missed most of that start. I was able to go back and watch it later. And uh, Phil Meyer is a guy that all of a sudden started striking guys out, although a lot of it was facing the White Sox and Tigers and stuff. But I still think Phil Meyer is like a Mike Wood, if you remember him, or like a, I don't know, another good example would be like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I still think he's probably a fringe number five slash swing guy. But what are your thoughts on him and Lopez? Am I wrong about Phil Meyer? Is there more there than what I think? No, I, I kind of agree with you. Mo- you know, most of his success where he was getting his K's were against teams like the White Sox, where he was, you know, really attacking and 
I, I, I think I just need to see more from him. You know, I agree. I think he's probably at very best a five starter, but probably a fringe guy or long release guy because, you know, the thought, he doesn't have anything really dynamic that he throws, and maybe he can develop some off speed pitches. But I, I think I just need to see more. I mean, it's definitely a name that you can consider, and I'd like to see him, you know, on the mound quite a bit next year uh, to see, you know, just to see a little bit bigger of a sample size. Uh, Jorge Lopez, I mean, I think he's. I, I like the idea of him as a starter, especially after the night that he almost threw the perfect game. I mean, that was an incredible performance. The way he was attacking the zone all night. I mean, he his pitch count wasn't even that high going into the ninth. Um, he, he had some impressive stuff, and just that outing alone. I mean, some of the other outings were a little rocky, but I feel like even in those outings where he was giving up runs, it was usually just one bad inning that was killing him, and he was, other than that, was pretty much on his game. So. Both guys that I want to see more of next year, and I think that you know, if one of those guys stands out well and can be a you know a four or five star in your rotation, you're going to be feeling pretty good. So five years from now, Jake, look in the crystal ball. Who has the most positive you know addition to the Royals organization? Who who helps out the most and has the best career the next five years for the Royals? Lopez, Wait. Phil Meyer, or Skoglund? I'm I'm going to say Lopez just because I think he looks the most experienced of those three right now. Right. Um, I, I would probably rank Skoglin number two and Phil Meyer number three just because I still, even though Skoglin has had his injury problems, I, I like what I've seen from him at times, and he's shown that he, he does have that stuff against, you know, the better competition as well, that he, he can compete. So, But, again, all three of those guys, it's going to be interesting to see them all next year. Yeah. Okay, the fifth biggest story, positive-wise, was the Royals' farm system this year, Jake. It went from like – and you and I always thought – everyone said it was a 28th or 29th farm system. I always thought it was more like 23 even coming into the year. I've always thought there were some pretty useful parts down there, especially when you've got a guy like Mondesio, I guess. Technically, wasn't really a part of the farm system because he had so much major league experience, but he's still kind of a part of your farm system. And, and you know, you still had guys coming into this year that had pretty good years. But, you know, with all the tradings of the Calvin Herreras and the John Jays and, and some of these guys with the Royals added – some prospects, and of course, the five picks in the top 55 helped, and you had some nice years from a number of guys already in the system. Um, Jake, I, th- I think the system is borderline top 20 at this point. I don't think it's debatable. Some people might say it's 23. I still, I, I guess I always have them like five spots higher than everybody else, but I think this is a top 15 farm system after the draft next year, assuming the Royals don't whiff at number two and, and get some nice players, maybe make one more trade this offseason or during the season. I guess they don't have a whole lot more they're going to be d- you know, dumping except for maybe Merrifield. Um, you know, as far as value, where you get a lot back, and I, I, I doubt they do that. So they may be done getting a lot of guys back via trade that are going to be blue chippers. But but you're in the, the number two pick next year. I think this is going to be a top fifteen uh, system by this time next year for sure. So um, I guess there's another another good thing happened today that that uh, the the Sally League, the South Atlantic League, had four. Lexington Legends in their top 20 prospects, and that was the only league in the entire minor leagues, Jake, where an organization had four guys in the top 20, and that didn't even include um, Kyle Isbell, who came up, who just absolutely, I don't know if you followed him, just absolutely raked, and yep. Jackson Coar struggled at the beginning but turned it on at the end. So, I mean, the Royals, I mean, if you if you would have thrown in, they tried to watch his innings, Brady Singer, the Royals could have had like almost seven in the top 20 in that league or seven of the top 25 for sure, and those guys are on the way with Khalil Lee and all these other guys we're talking about. So um, who are some guys, I guess, this is a very generic question because you can name about one of 30 guys or one of 20 guys, but give me a couple names that you're super excited about in the Royals system right now as far as minor league guys go. I mean, I, I, I was excited about him even back at the beginning of the year, but Prado, Nick Prado I'm just pumped about. I've, his swing is incredible. I think he's just 
he just has that. In fact, reminds me a lot of the guys, you know, same fire, same type of player and energy. Uh, you know, as guys like the Mustakas and Hosmers, you know, of the world that we had back in our championship run. So I love Prado, and I, I'm actually really high on um, on Jackson Coar. I mean, I watched him pitch in the College World Series this year, and I could just not believe that, you know, the fact that will we get him was a 33rd or 34th overall. I yeah. can't remember the exact number, but the guy's stuff is unbelievable. The movement he's got on the fastball he throws in the upper 90s has just, uh, I mean, his, his off-speed stuff is disgusting. Um, he's a guy I'm really high on, and I was, you know, have been watching very closely ever since he got into the system, and he did struggle early on to really turn it up towards the end of the year. So I would say probably right now my eyes on those two guys. So those are my, my top guys at the moment. I think my number one's MJ Melendez. I think this kid is going to be absolutely a stud at the major league level when he gets up here. Just throws missiles from behind the plate, calls a great game. He's a baseball nut. He's a, he's a you know baseball rat. They call him Jim Rats in basketball. He's a baseball rat. Um, great makeup. The dad's the coach. He's gonna hit for power. He's gonna. I, I I just think Jake. He's so young too. I think he's what almost twenty or just turned twenty. I think he's nineteen actually still. So either way, twenty whatever it is. Um, Matias obviously we saw him in the futures game go oppo dong there at Nationals Park in, yep. in Washington D.C. Khalil Lee. Man, what a talent he is. He, you know, he's arguably the number one prospect in the system. And you mentioned it, those those five starting pitchers, and you've got your love ladies and your Nikki Lopez's and on and on. There's just so many players, even some nice kids down in Burlington and Idaho Falls. Isbell's another guy in that Lexington team that the UNLV pick, I think he was a fourth round or fourth or sixth round, fourth, I think, um, for the Royals I'm excited about as well. So many other things there uh, in the minor leagues that, to be pleased about. We'll talk more about those as we get towards spring. So the Royals, Jake, pretty much August 15th and on, were the best team in the AL Central. That's great to see. So some momentum going into next year. Now the ugly, we're through the top five great things. The ugly, I'm sure you know where I'm going, the bullpen, um, was worst in the American League ERA and whip. They had a 5.04 ERA for the season and a whip of 1.5. Four, which is god awful when you consider how many times a bullpen or reliever is going to come in with guys on base trying to clean up a mess, and you're walking guys. You know that's that's not a way to do it. So the Royals blew 24 out of 57 save opportunities when you when you count the seventh and eighth. Um, so tw- 24 out of 57 were blown. Now you look at the bullpen for next year. I think there's three guys. Well, two guys that are locks to come back, and that's Tim Hill and Kevin McCarthy. It looks like the Royals. I don't know that they should, but it looks like they're going to. They're going to pick up that $3 million option on Willie Peralta. He was pretty good um, at the end of the year, and I suppose he's a pretty good veteran leader, probably not a bad guy to have out there in your bullpen. But assuming Peralta, Hill, and McCarthy come back, after that you could bring back Brian Flynn if you wanted. Um, Lovelady and Stamont, I would guess, have a decent shot at, at you know getting added to the 40-man rotation so you don't lose them this winter and coming up next year. Um, Jake, I guess this is what I'm asking you is, is this where the Royals spend money? Because from all reports, it looks like, you know, from losing Hamill and Escobar and, um, who else is coming out the books this year? There's, there's some other players coming out the books this winter. When you lose some of these salaries, um, is Casey, they're probably going to be under a hundred million. That's the goal for opening day. So I, I'm guessing they have two to three free agent openings where they sign guys. And, and, and these are like, you know, C-level free agents. We're talking, you know, your Willie Peralta is exactly who they're going to sign, those kind of guys. Maybe some minor league invite type guys um, with guarantees yep. that they make the club. I mean, is this where they go? If you get two or three free agent signings and that's it and because the payroll's got to be under 100, are you basically just doing the bullpen? Because there really aren't too many 
openings in the starting rotation, or I guess maybe one more veteran could be okay, but you still have Kennedy and Duffy in the rotation. I mean, on the field, there aren't really too many. You already have too many outfielders. We'll talk about that in a minute. You've, you're set in the infield and behind the, the dish, Jake. I mean, is this team obviously has some holes, but they're so young, and you want to see what you have. So where do you really add free agents you know, besides the bullpen? Yeah, I don't really. I was thinking the same thing earlier. I don't really see where you can because again, the outfield you already have too many bodies out there. To be honest, it's going to be you know a battle for the, in the spring, and then you're solid up the middle. You got your first baseman, your third baseman set. So yeah, I'm not really sure where they're going to go. Um, it's going to have to, I guess, be bullpen because again, that's the one area where you feel like they don't even have enough bodies right now. Um, so I, I would assume, and it's not going to be like you're saying, it's going to be guys on one year deals, probably guys who are signed in, you know. February or March, right before spring training, or even after spring training starts, because um, that's—I mean, I guess you could see the possibility of maybe one starting pitcher too like that. But again, if you want to see all these guys get reps, you probably don't even have room there. Right. So, um, I, I think so. I guess it's probably be maybe one starting pitcher on a one-year deal who you're just trying to flip at the deadline, and maybe a couple relievers with the same idea. And it could be the starting pitcher could move into Danny Duffy's spot. We're going to talk about that in a second, about his inability to stay healthy. And, you know, is putting him in the bullpen going to solve a lot of problems? If you put him back there with Peralta on your eighth and ninth and you have your McCarthy's and Hills and maybe one one or two other small guys that you bring in, and then maybe you do sign one starter and put him in the rotation in Duffy's slot. I'm not saying they'll do that. I think it's probably a 20% chance, but it's something you could think about um, as well. Over under Jake for a Royals free agent – for a one year, for just for next year. So for the 2019 salary, will it be over or under five and a half million for a free agent? Will they spend more than five and a half million on any free agent for the 2019 salary? I don't think so. I don't, I don't see why they would or why they need to. <laughs> I see like I see maybe one reliever, like a, a, a three million deal, three one year three million, maybe one like one year one million, and a couple minor league free agents type things. Is, yeah. that, is that how you see it too? Yep, definitely. Maybe a couple guys coming off injuries who are looking to, you know, for a comeback. Guys like that. It's kind of you know, the same type of thing the Dayton seems to always do around March. That's mainly where they're going to have their, make their, their moves. Maybe they'll pull another Ryan Matson out. That'd be nice. Um, so, Danny <laughs> Duffy, 8-12, um, 4-8-8 ERA. Highly disappointing season. I feel like we've said that the last couple of years and the majority of years. He's you know had a couple of really good years in there, but um, 155 innings, Jake. He's only thrown over that one other time in his careers. I think it was 170 uh, back in 14. So the velo's gone down about three miles an hour on average. He's sitting more like 91, 92-ish this year versus 94, 95 that we saw him in the past. Um, you know, you've got the making of a solid rotation. It's not going to be a good rotation in 2019, but you know, if they're healthy, you know, Duffy, Kennedy. Keller, Junis, and then you know your Phil Meyer, your Lopez, your Scogland, your Oaks, maybe a free agent like we talked about. So the rotation could be decent, but I, what I want to know, and I don't think they'll do this because of what they're paying him, and, and he's still. I, I think it's almost not even worth talking about this. I, I admit it's probably not going to happen, but I mean, Jake, do you? I think we both know it's not going to happen, but do you think it's a good idea at all to consider? Putting him back in the bullpen, I mean, the guy's going to be 30 years old. He is what he is. There's no – I think people forget that Danny Duffy's not 25 anymore. I mean, he's – you know, he loves Kansas City. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. We love him. But he's going to be 30 years old, and I think he is what he is. I, I just don't – I think he's a fringe number three major league starting pitcher if he's healthy. You know, is it worth keeping him healthy, having him come out fresher and stronger all season out of the bullpen and help, you know, you know steady things out there? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? 
I mean, I, I think. I mean, I think we both know they're probably going to keep him as a as a starter. Right. I, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea, but again, I think it's fine to start him off the uh, you know start off the season with him starting. And if he struggles again in April, May, that may be a time to you know be like, okay, we need to get the younger guys in for a look and put him in the pen to see if he can figure out things or give us some type of value. So I think that's probably what we're going to see. Um, but it, it has was another really disappointing year from Duffy. You keep hoping that he's going to become one of those guys top of the rotation guys and you know me and you both have said for the last couple of years he's really just you know basically like a four starter right and that, that's that's what he is at this point right i mean that the stuff the stuff is you know on a good night is a low end number one or a high end number two the stuff is there but it's just never consistent and the health is never quite there and it's too bad um but definitely definitely a guy that's still useful and that they have signed for a few more years and of course ian kennedy for two more years so um that's that. Hopefully Kennedy can stay healthy. He has most of his career and given the innings. So, Jake, too many outfielders. We talked about this. What happened? So let's go through this. Let's go through the math here. Alex Gordon will be 35 years old, the last year of his contract next year. You've got Brett Phillips and Brian Goodwin competing for that center field job. People still want to say Bubba Starling. I just forget the guy exists. I don't see it happening. So you've got <laughs> Brett Phillips and Brian Goodwin competing in center. And then your right fielders, you know, slash DH, you've got Bonifacio and Soler, the two Jorge's. So let's start with Alex Gordon. Should win another gold glove after this year. Had a nice bounce back season, his best year in a few years. 13 home runs. He Surprisingly, I didn't realize he stole 12 bases. He was 12 for 14 stealing bases, which is good to see. Um, most of those, you know, back ends towards the end of the year with Witt or Mondesi, but um, 324, 370 for a 694 OPS. So still slightly below league average out there. Well, definitely below league average for a corner outfielder. But 694 is at least respectable when you play the kind of defense he does. Um, likely, Jake, could be a thing like we saw with Maurer. I mean, I hope it is, where he finishes out next year with the Royals and then that's it. Maybe they, they're, not, they're probably not going to put him back at third base for an inning. But, you know, just something, hopefully something really <laughs> special can happen for him. Next year, he'll be 35. It should be the last year of his career, I would hope. I don't, I don't want to see him go somewhere else, and I can't possibly see the Royals bringing him back after that. So my question for you is, how much do you play Alex Gordon next year, knowing you need to get some at-bats for a lot of these other guys? And also granted that we know Bonifacio and Soler are both injury-prone, so there's a decent chance, or Gordon himself's getting older, there's a decent chance at least one of these guys gets hurt. But assuming everyone's pretty much healthy, how do you deal with Alex Gordon knowing he's going to probably have his number retired someday, for sure be a Royals Hall of Famer, maybe even have a statue? His last go-round, how many days a week are you playing him? How do you handle the situation next year, assuming he plays about how he did this year? I think it's a similar situation to what I expect him to do with Duffy, where I think he is going to probably be in the lineup every day to start off the season. And as the season goes, and probably you know after the first couple of months, the Royals will not be too competitive anymore, or at least even in the race. And... Uh, that's, I think, when you'll start seeing his playing time dying off to maybe four or five days a week instead of every day. I think I'd expect to see him in the lineup, you know. He'll probably get days off every once in a while against lefties early on. Um, but I think, yeah, with this being the last season, you definitely are not going to see Gordon on the field as much as you have in the past seasons because I think this should be it after this. I hope so, man. I hope he goes off in the sunset as a royal day one till the end. That would be fantastic. I don't want to see him. I mean, I'm glad Mike Sweeney got to play in the playoffs, for example, with the Phillies at the very end there and get one postseason at bat. I think he's singled in that bat, too, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, mm-hmm. Sweeney to me is like the ultimate royal, like George Brett, although Sweeney didn't finish his career at the Royals. But I would like to see Alex Gordon do that. Um, so we'll see what happens. Now, the rest of the guys, how are you divvying and what do you expect out of these? I guess just kind of tell me your thoughts on the Phillips, Goodwin, Bonifacio, Soler. Well, Phillips, you know, I, is, he is terrible to play this year for us. I'd like to see him in the lineup, though, a lot next year, you know. 
because that's the only way he's going to uh, develop a way to hit major league pitching is getting to see it every single day. And I feel like I know he had the injuries this year when he came over, but even when he wasn't injured, I mean, him not being in the lineup every day was, you know, him playing once every two or three days. He's not going to get in any kind of groove doing that. So I want to see, you know, more out of him. I want to see if he can develop. Hopefully he'll be working all offseason because he's an elite outfielder, I think. I mean, he shows yeah. his arm is incredible. His range is good. Speed. He can run. It's yeah. just a matter if he can figure out a way to get on base. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens with him next year. I'm excited to see him get more at-bats and hopefully stay healthy as well. Um, Goodwin's a guy who I think can swing it a little bit. Um, again, he's had injury problems as well. I don't know if he's an everyday player, but he is a nice piece, and I think he's going to get you know a good look as well. Again, I just don't know how they're going to – really divvy that up with those two in center field next year. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think with the two right fielders, with Soler and Bonifacio, you know, whoever is uh, not playing right field probably going to be dh most of the time. Again, Soler, we saw the flashes this year, what he can do, but then he got hurt and the injuries continue to bite him. And who knows? I just would like to see him make it through one season without getting hurt, but I think that's pretty unlikely. And, you know, Bonifacio, I don't think he ever was able to get into a groove this year. Uh, it was a little better in September, but Missing all that time this year really it was kind of a lost season for him. I think, you know, next year coming into spring training, I think we may see him. It'll be next year, will really be the test to see if he's actually a pretty good major league hitter or not because we saw it last year. This year was a lost season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see him get those everyday at bats next year and see if he can actually hit in this league. 100% agree. We actually have a question on him coming up here. We'll come back to him here in just a couple more minutes. And, and so, do you, in, in summary, Jake, do you agree? You know, going into April, Goran's your left fielder. Uh, and then your right field DH is Soler Bonifacio, and then you just have whoever, Phillips or Goodwin, whoever loses that's your fourth outfielder. Is that pretty much how you look at it? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the, the way they'll roll with it. Yeah, okay. Now, Ned Yost is back. Um, your thoughts on – what is that in the background, by the way, Jake? Do you have birds over there? What's going on over there? <laughs> no. No, my dog has a squeaky ball in his mouth right now. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm taking it away from him. Man, our poor listeners out there hearing squeaky balls here in the background. That's what she said. All right, so Ned Yost is back next year, Jake. First of all, your thoughts on that, and then do you have a next manager prediction? Because we've we've heard teases that the next manager is currently on the Major League staff. So is that Pedro Grafal? Is that Vance Wilson? Is that Dale Swaim? Uh, or none of the above. Your thoughts on Yost and, and what might happen in one to two more years? Yeah, I think those are the three candidates they know that we've heard rumors about, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't say there's really a front runner between any of the three of them. I, I think it's definitely going to be one of them, though. I just, I'd be surprised if they go out and get somebody, you know, who's external. But I'm, you know, I'm happy to have Ned back one more year. I'm excited that he's, you know, wanting to manage one more year. And if this is it, you know, he's had a, he's had a great run here. I think he was excited and maybe a little rejuvenated by the way the team played the last couple months. I think maybe in June, if you would ask him, he may have been considering retirement at that point. But <laughs> the fact that the team had so much energy towards the end of the year, I think probably made him think that he wants to, you know, give it one more year, see how it goes, and see if he's going to continue or if he's going to call it quits after next year. I don't know, Jake. To me, it was like, and I mean, this is a pretty obvious statement, but it was two different seasons, right? The first half, the Royals were really, honestly, almost unwatchable. Like, I mean, it was just boring. It was depressing. I mean, it was bad. I had trouble sitting through games. I, I've never had that. Even in like 2006, I never felt that way. I don't know if that's because of the success and, and all the excitement and now you know what that tastes like and it's just, you know, maybe that's what it is, but I, I actually just think they were that bad and that uninteresting, even worse than those like 06 type, 05, 04 um, 
type ball clubs. But the second half was great. But didn't did this almost seem like the longest year ever? Like, doesn't it seem like opening day was like two years ago? <laughs> it really does. Yeah, that the first half of the season just dragged for so long. <laughs> it was so brutal to watch every night. And then you know that finally got a little exciting at the end, and that you didn't want the season to end because they were playing so well and the way they were just running on you know all over the place the last few months of the season. Um, you know, it, it was much better. But, yeah, I agree. The first half of the season just drug on to the deadline forever. All right, so let's end here. We have about eight to ten more different things to touch on from questions on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for all of them. We're going to end on these, Jake. Um, talk about a number of players that we haven't talked about much yet. So, first of all, Hunter Dozier. We got a question about him. Uh, he is older than people realize because he was a college guy out of Stephen F. Austin. Hunter Dozier was 27 years old. Um, 102 games this year. We definitely saw him finish strong, and, and he's a guy that I noticed. I mean, he, he OPSed 673, which is not great, obviously, but still a young player and still got a lot of upside, hopefully, although it's going to have to happen pretty soon. The next two to three years, you would think, are you're going to get his best. Probably just year 29 and 30 will be his best because of where he's at. But uh, 11 home runs in 102 games. Um, 27 years old, though, Jake. This is a guy that when he hits the ball, the power is easy. Have you noticed how like the ball just jumps off his bat? It seems so easy the power just comes like he like flicks his wrist and it's the ball to the warning track. I feel like like there's easy power there and yep. it's a potential there. Obviously, for 20 plus home runs, I would I would just expect him to get that chance and probably do that if he stays healthy next year. I think defensively he's fine. Um, is he part of? I guess it's kind of like O'Hearn. Maybe maybe O'Hearn's a little younger, so O'Hearn probably has a little bit brighter of a perspective. But is is uh, is Dozier just kind of a placeholder? for the next two to three years until the stud stud bats arrive or maybe a Gutierrez gets here in in a year and a half. I mean, where do you see Dozier at? So Dozier, I mean, I think that, um, I think he's just a placeholder, honestly. I mean, I'm hoping that maybe he can prove me wrong. And again, especially the first half of the season that we saw him, I really thought that he was just a placeholder this year. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he came on and I saw the power of the second part of the season, you you, like you said, it, it, such an easy swing he's such a big guy when he barrels the ball up he can just destroy it and it was good to see a little bit of pop towards the end of the season but I think he is probably just a placeholder unless we see something really good out of him next year he's going to get those everyday at bats at third and um, again it'll be nice to see him start a season up with the major league team I think that's when you really can get a good idea this is when a guy is actually out there playing every day from the beginning of the season but if I was you know to bet right now I'd say he's just a placeholder for a couple of years a guy that, while we're talking about third base, that people have forgotten exists, Chesler Cuthbert, Jake, what do we think of him? Is he no longer in the Royals' plans? Is he a guy? I mean, where do we see Cuthbert? Is he kind of the same as Dozier, but even you know lesser regarded, obviously? What are your thoughts on Cuthbert? Yeah, he's kind of in the same boat. and I, I mean, I almost honestly forgot about him since he's been hurt for so long <laughs> Right <laughs> at this point. But yeah, I, I think I feel like him and Dozier are very, very similar. Um you know, I, I don't I don't see Cuthbert as an everyday player. I see him as a guy who can hang around maybe in the league as a backup third baseman. Don't you see but, him as a guy that they might deal for a relief pitcher in spring training? Like if Dozier comes out and stays healthy, I forget. I don't even I don't even know if Cuthbert has options remaining. I can't remember if he does or not. I think he might not. So that could be a guy that couldn't you see them like flipping Cuthbert for like a fringe bullpen type guy like in spring training or you know a, a decent veteran or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if you can get anyone who who does want him, because Cuthbert, I mean, he plays a decent third base, and you know, the one season that he played most of the year when Misaka was hurt, he showed some signs that he could hit at the major league level, but he hasn't really shown any of those signs since then, or really gotten a, you know an opportunity because of being hurt and 
you know, not having that chance to start every day. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a possibility. How many more years, Jake, does Salvador Perez have as a gold glove caliber catcher? Give me an over-under of three and a half. How many more years do you see him being just a stud back there defensively and healthy? Probably three years. You know, I, eventually all these hits that he's taking every single year are going to catch up with him. It's, it's going to be, as, as you saw this year, you know, he was taking off some injuries towards the end of the year as well. Um, so I, I would say three years max, two to three years is what I would expect for him to have be at that level, and I think you'll kind of see him taper off there and kind of go into more of a DH first baseman role after about three years. Yeah, and that's a guy. I think he signed for three more years too. That's a guy that that uh, definitely you'll want to eat the face of the franchise. That's another another Gordon part too. That's a guy that could get into Cooperstown. I mean, three more years might not get him there if he's only a catcher. Three more, it might take five more. You know, I'd say three or four more Gold Gloves, couple more All Star games, maybe one more postseason heroic. I mean, that's a guy that could make the Baseball Hall of Fame someday. I mean, it's it, you know the the odds are probably thirty five percent, but that's thirty four percent more than any other Royal the last twenty years. It seems like you know right. outside of Beltron and, and Damon and a couple guys that were mixed in there. So a guy that definitely I think will be around and get another contract and and be the leader. Um, of this next youth movement, and, and how nice of it will be for MJ Melendez when he gets up, and and Sebastian Rivero, and some of these guys, right, to have that kind of leadership and that kind of experience. Oh yeah, it's going to be incredible for those guys to have it, you know, have a mentor like Salvi when they're first coming up with the team. And, and that, I mean, you can't have a better one than that. The timing works out pretty well too, because you know Melendez and or Rivero two and a half to three years away from the big league, so that probably works out pretty well for that timeline. Now Bonifacio. So we saw a big-time zap in his power this year, Jake. Now, granted, like you mentioned, it was a last year. He didn't really have a spring, came in late. But 236 at-bats, I didn't realize he had that many, but 236 at-bats, the slugging percentage you know, went from 432 to 360, so way down. The OPS from 752 to an unplayable 672 when you can't run or play defense. Um, just four home runs in 236 at-bats. He's going to be 26. So a guy that's not terribly young, I think we both agree he probably is a, a placeholder type player because I don't see him, you know, even on the level of Jorge Soler as far as the future. Soler's got a much brighter, um, you know, much higher ceiling, and you've got your, you know, Matias and then and Lee and all these other guys we talked about coming up from the minor leagues as well. So, Jake, is is this something? I hate to even say it because he's so nice, but we got to at least ask the question: Is this something where PEDs potentially were going on for a while, and that's why we've seen the power dip so much, or am I just overlooking it? And it wasn't that. What do you? I mean, is there a possibility PEDs and, and and he quit using them, and that's why the the struggle, or is it just a thing where he didn't get his feet under him this year? I mean, yeah, I, I think it def, it could be a combination of both, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's hard not to think that that could have been something to do with it after the year he had last year, um, you know, and then to have that happen, and then he comes back from the suspension and shows really no power at all but also he just really didn't look good at the plate he wasn't really squaring the ball up wasn't having good at bats was he was much more disciplined at the plate last year compared to what he was this year so um yeah i I think we're again after a few months next year if we're not seeing any power at all those first few months i think we're going to think okay maybe maybe it did have something to do with the peds and and that's about all there is there let's hope not because i we've talked to him here on the clubhouse conversation very nice kid and i hope that's not what it was um, now, okay, Jake, let's go through some of these fringy guys that we saw throughout the year. Um, I'm going to give you some names and tell me for next year, are they in KC, are they in the minor leagues, or are they DFA'd off the 40 this winter? Cam Gallagher. Oh, man. I, I feel like, I mean, 
feel like there's a good chance that he probably is the backup catcher to start the year. Agreed. I, I mean, I, that would be my guess right now. So I would say, yeah, he, he will be on the major league roster. Mebris Valoria, I'm sure you agree, double-A Northwest Arkansas. And again, I, I saw a lot of good things from him. Um, but again, I think it'll be good for him to develop and, and continue to develop his bat down there. Uh, he looked very good behind the plate, though. Ramon Torres. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I feel like I've seen enough from Ramon Torres to know that he is even a, probably a fringe guy of even being a utility player. Um I, I I don't know what 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 do you think about Torres? I don't know. I think I, I they don't think that highly of him. He didn't come back up in September. I think maybe I don't know if they'll DFA him, but I mean you do have some guys in, in Northwest Arkansas like Jackson Flores, for example, and some of these other guys down there, and your Jack Lopez's and what's that other kid's name that I love the Northwest Arkansas? I'm having a brain fart, but the other kid that they got from the Dodgers, Eric Mejia. I mean you've got those kind of guys that mm-hmm. could be the next you know. Like Torres slash Irving Falou ties, but those guys have more of a ceiling and hit a little bit more. So, yeah, I kind of agree. I think Ramon Torres probably might be done this winter, but we'll see. Um, this one's interesting, Jake, because they can finally send Burt Smith to AAA. I think we both agree he's not going to be on the opening day roster unless something goes terribly wrong, but is he even worth holding on the 40-man roster? I mean, now you can send him to AAA, but then do you really want to? I mean, is he worth the 40-man spot when you've got guys like Lovelady and Stamont and some of these other guys we just talked about that need to be put on the 40 to protect from the Rule 5 draft? So what happens with Burt Smith? I think he, if I had to guess, I think he probably stays in the 40 and starts the year in AAA. I think they, you know, like his stuff enough to at least give him another chance. Um, I, I think next year would probably be his only one year to kind of get it together and see if he can show something. Because, you know, he's got a live fastball and some good stuff, just has no command, no control. It's been the same thing his whole career. So I think they'll probably give him maybe one more look next year since he can go to the minors, see if he can figure some things out there. And then if they realize that he just is, if he's struggling in AAA first half of the year, they'll probably DFA him at that point. Okay, how about Jason Adam? Um, I think I, I'm, again, I think he's a guy who I would like to see a little bit more of, just because you know we saw flashes of what he can do, and he's got good stuff. But I don't. I mean, with the lack of arms right now, it wouldn't shock me if he's in the bullpen to start the year next year, depending on how many guys they sign. Yeah, I think that's a guy you got to keep on the forty for sure. The stuff, yeah. the stuff appeared to be there. We already mentioned Chesler Cuthbert. How about uh, Jerry Vasto, who somehow like didn't pitch the last homestand? <laughs> I don't know if he was hurt or I didn't. Really, did I miss something on that? I never heard any news about that. Did, did you no, even see him throw? I think he pitched what four or five games. Did you? I saw him pitch in person twice, and I didn't get a real great read. The stuff kind of you know underwhelmed me, but he threw strikes. I mean, do do we see him on the forty, or is he kind of like your Mike Morin slash? Um, some of these other guys that we had last year, Sam uh, Sam Gavilio, is he one of those guys that was just here for two months and now they DFA him? Where are we? You know, what's him? Yeah, I would I would kind of lean that way. Again, not, nothing would surprise me, but I I didn't get to see enough really from him to to even see if he's worth it, being a guy who you keep around and has you know keep possibly on the major league roster, Triple A or not next year. So um, it wouldn't shock me if he's like a Sam Gavilio. Type, although Viglio actually had a pretty good season this year. Yeah, he did. <laughs> three more names, Jake. Um, three pitchers here. I don't even know if this guy's still alive. This guy might be in witness protection. Is Nate Carnes? Does he exist? Is Nate Carnes a thing anymore? What What is the deal with Nate Carnes? Where is he? Is he okay? I'm worried about him. I don't. I don't know because after remember the injury in spring training, they're like, "Oh yeah, he'll probably be back by you know maybe June." Yeah, like late May. (laughs) I I never heard anything about him the rest of the season, and I guess maybe it's because the team was 
you know, so miserable the first half of the season that nobody even cared to ask or forgot that he was even on the roster. Um, I don't know if he's been in Arizona part of the year or what exactly he's been doing, but at this point, I feel like it's just a lost cause with him. I, I don't think he's ever going to be healthy. Yeah, and I think he's quite expensive, too, if they bring him back. Um, a guy, actually, I'm adding this guy to the list. I forgot about him until right now. Um, it's been working out. I think it's the drive line, the pitching program out in Seattle, and he's supposedly up to 94 velo wise and looking good. And this is the place that Trevor Bauer, you know, owes all of his success to. He claims, and I know Jeremy Guthrie's a good friend of mine. He went there and did some stuff there. But is Kyle Zimmer, Jake? It's, I mean, he's kind of like Bubba Starling, but Kyle <laughs> Zimmer. Is there any chance we see him in Kansas City, or is that ship completely out? Who's a better chance of appearing in a game in Kansas City, Starling or Zimmer? Probably Zimmer. <laughs> Because he's a pitcher, and I, I don't—if he ever can make it through the spring without getting injured, he'll have a chance to get up to the majors. Um, because I, I don't, Bubba. I mean, even if he ever did stay healthy, I don't know if he could even hit enough to even get a chance. So I'll say Zimmer. I, I'm going to hold out the hope. I've been saying that he's going to make his major league debut for like the last five years on our podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to—I'm going to stick with it again. All right, last two. They're both uh, Dodger farmhands, so I'll, I'll lump them together. Scott Barlow, Trevor Oaks. I was surprised neither of them got a September call-up. I thought that was more that they were trying to pinch pennies, and I hate to say that, but I really think when you see no Adam and no Torres and no Oaks and no Barlow, I still am kind of upset that Frank Schwindel didn't get the look. I guess they can claim they didn't have a 40 spot for him. I guess they can claim that, but you know, then later in the year you say that you had nobody to pinch run for Salvi and you run out of guys, you have to bring Hamill back in all these games, And but you got these guys sitting at home like Adam. Adam and Barlow and Oaks and Schwindel and Lovelady. I don't know. Those, I know some of them weren't on the 40, but but these last two, where do you see Scott Barlow and Trevor Oaks? Um, Again, probably, I mean, I think probably starting the season in AAA, but I like what I saw from both of them this year. I think you'll see a lot of them up in the major leagues next year, but uh, probably opening day, I, I would guess you'll see those two in AAA and Wes Barlow somehow makes the team as a reliever. Yeah, Barlow, of course, last winter was known as the number one minor league free agent, and the Royals signed him. So hopefully, you know, he was injured a lot of this year. I did like what I saw out of him and really wanted to see him in September. I suppose it's possible. I never heard too much about it. Maybe they just wanted to limit the innings, and some of that stuff was possible. But it sure looks questionable when it comes back to money in my, in my mind. But that's just my opinion. Um, okay, last two things, Jake. Last two questions for you, and we'll wrap this up as we're almost to an hour. It's impressive. I thought it'd be 45 minutes, but you and I, we're not even forcing this. This is a solid hour. I don't, I don't feel like we're just blabbing. I feel like it's pretty interesting stuff, right? Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I can't believe we've already gone that long. I feel like we just started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Hopefully so, the listeners feel like that, too. Yeah, everyone else has already clicked. They're already way gone by now. They're, they're watching the <laughs> end of the wild card game or something. Um, last two questions, Jake. Which of these guys has the biggest impact next year that we've yet to see in the major leagues? I'll give you just three names. It could be somebody else. It could be the field, but you can't say the field. You have to pick one of these three. Nikki Lopez, Richard Lovelady, Josh Stama. Which one of those three has the biggest impact in KC next year? I'm going to say Richard Lovelady. I think, because I think, I don't know, I feel like he's still got more balance and control than Stama does right now. Yeah. I think he's closer to being ready. Um, and Lopez, I think that we won't see enough of him. I think we'll probably see him second part of the year, and uh, it probably won't make a huge impact. He'll just be getting up probably, you know, after the trade deadline is what I would expect from him. Um, and, and unless unless Wit or someone's moved, that could be a different story. But if I had to guess right now, I would say Lovelady with him being a left-handed reliever. 
And that's also something we didn't talk about. One other, one other thought in the free agent thing. If they do happen to move Witt, then I think they would bring in a, a major league veteran to open at second base yeah. to pair with Mondesi. And, and you know, somebody, somebody similar to how Omar Infante kind of um, mentored Alcides Escobar. Uh, a lot of the credit Escobar has given to Infante for teaching him how to be a real pro. I mean, I've, if they do move Merrifield, they could sign a second baseman, um, you know, to put there and then to, you know, for one year deal and then flip him again, kind of like they did with John Jay, and then bring up Lopez in the second half. So I think you're dead on about that. My last question, Jake, how good can the Kansas City Royals be in 2019? Assuming that they add, you know, we'll say one or two decent MLB arms, assuming most guys stay healthy. And they don't move Merrifield. You know, how many games do you think right now, and not knowing what the division's going to do, and, and knowing that Cleveland's getting a little bit older, and the other three teams are really not that much better, if any, than the Royals right now? Where do you see the Royals fitting in the division next year? How many games do you think they can win, ish? Um, I think it's going to be maybe a few game wins better than this year. Probably not too much different. I would guess probably they're in, you know a ninety to ninety-five loss team, just because I think the young talent will. Uh, you know, I think that'll help the team and make them competitive at times. But I think the bullpen being bad again and, you know, a lot of young guys in the rotation are going to prevent them from being, you know, a really competitive team throughout the year. Yeah, it should be exciting. I'm excited to see especially how – I guess we didn't talk much about Junis, but we both we both agree, I think, that Junis looks like a number four type. Possibly if he can if he can hold the home runs down, get those down a little bit, maybe more like a number three, maybe like a Jeremy Guthrie type. If he can't, you know, keep the home runs in the in the park, which we take that if he's Jeremy Guthrie, good Jeremy Guthrie for those you know two and a half years was people oh, forget how people forget how much of a, a part of the team he was from 2012 through 14, especially. So you know if he becomes Jeremy Guthrie on the cheap for another four years, and and Keller becomes you know a, a Jason Vargas type, like a good number three type. Um, that's something that they, you know. I'm excited to see those two in the rotation next year, and obviously, like we talked about, O'Hearn and Dozier and and Mondesi and some of these other guys, Jake. So it should be a great winter. We will continue throughout the winter uh, to do some interviews um, throughout the winter with current former Royals guys. Not a lot, but we'll do some, and we'll be back again. Uh, Jake, why don't you and I? What do you think? Maybe do a hot stove edition. Maybe come back in December or something like that. I don't know. They're probably. I'm I'm expecting. I think you probably agree. I'm not expecting to get too much news now, right? That you've got Ned already back. You know that. The coaching staff, I'm assuming, will hear is coming back in the next week or so, um, and and you know, I guess maybe some 40 man things will happen. Who are they going to put in the 40 and protect for the Rule Five? Maybe come back after the Rule Five and do something like that. What do you think? Yeah, I think that sounds good. All right. Well, we made it just about exactly an hour. Should we just tell a couple jokes for two minutes, or should we sign off? <laughs> I think we should probably sign off. Uh, we we better go. I don't know if anyone's left. <laughs> we don't want to clog up any of the bandwidth on the internet. All right, Jake. Take care and go Royals.